0: Good morning, Grace. Thanks for tuning in. Today we celebrate that wherever Jesus goes, he brings life. The day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he brought hope. And that hope wasn't based on circumstances, but eternal hope that God was bringing together his divine plan to connect with us. Jesus is that plan. His life, death, and resurrection brings us life. No matter what our circumstances, we have a reason to celebrate, just like that Sunday before his death. Jesus has promised to be with us and to never leave us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much uh, for this day. Thank you that you are with us. Even in the midst of what we're going through, the circumstances we're facing, you are present with us. You have placed your spirit to reside in us as followers of Jesus. Thank you that as you live in us, you comfort us, you encourage us, you challenge us, you convict us, and you lead us. Jesus, thank you so much that nearly 2,000 years ago, as you rode into Jerusalem on that donkey, that you were bringing hope to a hopeless world father we love you we ask that you would open our hearts and our eyes to what you have to tell us today it's in jesus name we pray and everybody agreed and said amen romans chapters 1 through 11 uh, is filled with a lot of principles those principles were important for the church in rome to understand that they had salvation through faith in jesus also for them to understand that as jews and gentiles they were together abraham's family and humanity was being transformed by god and god continued to fulfill his ancient promises he would not give up on his covenant people so the only reasonable response was for these jews and non-jews to be unified as his church now Paul shows how unity will come from a commitment to a foundational principle for every Christ follower. And in chapter 12, he begins the process of revealing the application. It's the so what of the first 11 chapters. Because we are changed by Jesus, Paul lays out five steps to take in order to live a life and have an experience of a life-changing presence, the life-changing presence of Jesus. The next several weeks, we will explore these steps. What can happen when we grasp the principles of Scripture, but fail to make the application of Scripture? How many of you have been binge-watching TV or movies? Uh, If so, hit the emoji button. Yeah, that's what I thought. I like the the turn-of-the-century type movies and shows. I like the costuming, the sets, uh, just the timepiece period um, that they're they're portraying. And a story is told of a boy who lived out in the country around the turn of the century. He saw posters plastered all over town announcing a traveling circus coming on Saturday. Having never seen a traveling circus, the boy ran home and asked his father for permission to go. His dad said he could go, providing his chores were done early. So Saturday morning came, chores were finished, and the boy asked his father for some money to go to the circus. His dad reached down deep into his pocket and pulled out a dollar bill, the most money the boy had ever seen at one time off he ran into town. As he approached town, he saw people lining the streets. Peering through the line as he got to the crowd, he got his first glimpse of a circus parade. There were animals in cages, a marching band, and the colors were bright, the music was blaring, and the crowd was going crazy. Finally, the clown was bringing up the rear of the parade, and the little boy was so excited, When the clown passed, he reached into his pocket and handed him a dollar bill. As the parade disappeared, the boy turned and ran home, never experiencing what he came to see, the circus. He missed the main event. He thought he had experienced a circus, but he had only seen the parade. Paul starts Romans chapter 12 like this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... That word, therefore, is like a hinge on a door. A hinge acts as a link between the door and the wall. It enables the one to relate to the other. In Scripture, therefore, holds together principles with application. Relying on one without the other will lead to missing what God has in store for you. How tragic is it for people to live their whole lives thinking they have lived, but only just watched the parade of life. They don't experience life like God intended. Don't miss the main event of living a new life. Don't just see the parade of principles of scripture and miss the main event of the application of having a transformed life. A foundational principle that we want to look at this morning is we need to offer our body to God. Well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, I have to accept the sacrifice of Jesus before I can be a sacrifice for Jesus. You see, Paul spent considerable time explaining the sacrifice of Jesus and how through faith the sacrifice of Jesus is applied to our sin. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was the means for reconciliation for everyone to be reconnected with God. Paul says our response to his sacrifice is offering our bodies to him out of appreciation and celebration, for what he has done for us now when we understand the sacrifice jesus made for us on the cross and what that means for us we then can offer him everything our mind our motives our desires and even our bodies but if we lose sight of what the sacrifice of jesus really means then we think we can please God and earn our way by doing the things that we think we should do, and our lives will look more and more like those who don't follow Jesus. We will begin to resent God's word. We will see it as restricting our lives, not guiding our lives. We will serve out of obligation to a code of ethics, not out of celebration for the cross of Jesus. Now, let's talk a little bit about sacrifices. When sacrificing an animal according to God's law, a priest would kill the animal and place it on the altar as an offering to God. Sacrificing was important, but even in the Old Testament, God made it clear that obedience from the heart was much more important. God wants us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, daily laying aside our own desires to follow him putting all our energy and resources at his disposal and trusting him to guide us. We do this out of gratitude that our sins have been forgiven. In my garage, I have a small workshop, and over the years, I have been building my tool supply. One of the most frustrating things is when I go to make something or fix something, and I realize I don't have the right tool. But when I have the right tool, man, that is sweet. I would be an idiot if I needed to fix something and didn't use the right tool. Instead, I used the hammer to tighten the screw. Now, some of you are going, what? You're not supposed to use a hammer to tighten a screw? No. When God looks at us, he sees what our lives could be like if we just surrendered all that we are to him. That's why Paul is saying, if you want all God has for you... Give him everything and watch him work in and through you. Make available to God every tool of who you are. Now there's a myth that faith is the only thing that is spiritual. The truth is, faith is both spiritual and physical. You see, my body can glorify God. The sacrifice is unique in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament sacrifices, they were dead. Our sacrifice is living. Now, there's a big problem with a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, when the fire gets hot, we climb off the altar. We keep taking back what we have given over to God. We are still alive to the desires of sin and the lure of the systems of this world. Therefore is an interesting word. If you present your bodies to Jesus, therefore you will, and there's two things, he says, you will not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Therefore, renew your mind with the things of God. Every one of us gets caught up in the pattern of this world. We have allowed the bent of brokenness to inform our decisions, to guide our thoughts, and to lead our behavior in ways that has left us empty, discouraged, and wandering. And and actually wondering, is this faith thing, is this living as a follower of Jesus worth it or possible? We read about or we watch other followers of Jesus and we think, why am I not experiencing life like they are? Why don't I hear from God like that? Or, why don't I see God's blessings in my life? You see, the refusal to conform to this world must go even deeper than just our behavior. It must be firmly planted and rooted in our minds. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And how that happens is through the Word of God and the Spirit in you. However, it is possible To avoid worldly customs and still be proud, still be selfish, still be stubborn and arrogant. Only when the Holy Spirit renews, re-educates, and redirects your minds are you truly transformed. Now here's a, a simple principle of God's Word. The pattern or system of living according to the world is broken. When we follow its pattern, we will reap the results which are brokenness, frustration, chaos, pain, disappointment, and destruction. And this is played out over and over again in marriages. Follow the pattern of the world in marriage, the pattern of I want, I need, I demand, and the marriage will end. Follow the pattern of the world in parenting, and you will create children of entitlement, kids with heightened insecurities, and children with social deficiencies that will live for generations to come. Follow the pattern of the world in your schedule and you will be overloaded with activities that leave you empty and re- render your discernment of what is eternal, null, and void. Following the pattern of this world The way the world treats people and all the brokenness within this world will only leave you lonely and empty. That's why Jesus is the answer, because he brings life and hope. Paul related to this, and he wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Now listen to this. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. In other words, he has gotten on that altar and presented his whole being, including his body, to Jesus, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. He goes on and he says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ. Is this your prayer? I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You see, Paul understood the process of being a living sacrifice. Now, the first two verses in Romans 12 says, we will have the ability to know, test, and approve God's will. Wouldn't you like to know what God's will is for your life? You can. We have an inherent desire within us to know our futures. And it's from a young age we field questions about our future and it goes like this what do you want to be when you what grow up why because the future is mysterious it's unknown it's intriguing and it's risky and when we think of our futures we know there are basically two paths we can go we can go to the good or we can go to the bad when we're young we imagine we dream we hope for a bright future I've never heard a child, when asked, what do they want to be when they grow up, say this. I want to spend my life in prison. I want to be an alcoholic, lose my job, wreck my marriage, and mess up my kids. I want to be homeless, live in the streets, beg for money and food. You see, we all have within us a desire for a bright, good, and hope-filled future. And so does God. So what happens? What causes us to veer away from what we desire? Is it possible even if you have made choices that derailed your desires and your dreams and hopes to have a future filled with peace, love, and faith? Filled with God's blessing and approval? Filled with the knowledge of his will for you? Living a new life that is free from the pull of the world's broken system. Yes, it is. It is possible, and God wants you to experience that. So what is God's will? The rest of Romans gives us his will. Paul continues in verse 3. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Paul asked the Roman church to do some realistic evaluation of their application of his truth. You see, we can live a new life of meaning, purpose, and adventure when we do a reality check in two very important areas. The first reality check is with our bodies. In fact, we, we could say God wants us to pay attention to our body image. In verses 4 through 8, Paul lays this out, and he says, Believers, when committed to Jesus, will show in their lives the genuineness of that commitment. And the body then is holy and acceptable to God. In earlier chapters in Romans, the body was portrayed as an instrument of sin. But now, it becomes the instrument of holiness, which is totally acceptable and pleasing to the Father, and honors God. Now here's the danger with sacrifices. It is possible to engage in mighty sacrificial acts which are totally unacceptable to God because of the attitude or motives in which they are presented. Arrogance, pride, obligation, manipulation will all disqualify our sacrifice and render it unacceptable to God. You say, Marty, where's that in the Bible? Well, in the book of Genesis, one of Adam and Eve's sons brought a sacrifice to God, but he brought it with the wrong heart, with the wrong motives, and God rejected his sacrifice. That's why God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, because he knows mercy goes to the heart of who we are. Now, when we talk about body image, there's really two bodies that Paul is referring to. He is talking about our own physical bodies. All that we are, including our physical body, our mental and emotional state. Can I be totally surrendered to Jesus and withhold my body, my physical body? You see, we live in a a world that is so sex-crazed, when Paul says to present our bodies, he isn't just saying that as a metaphor for, oh, just present yourselves. No, he is saying present your bodies, including your sexuality, including the intimacy, including your health, how, how you go about your day. Are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating healthy? Are you exercising Are you taking care of, and and in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about our bodies being a temple for God to live in, which is an awesome metaphor because we have the Holy Spirit residing in our physical bodies. The question is, will I honor him with my sexuality and with my health? So Paul first says, it's your bodies, present it to God. Then he starts to talking about his body not paul's body but the body of christ the church and even more specifically the local church and the question we need to ask ourselves is what is my role in the body of christ every follower of jesus has a universal role For every follower of Jesus, they are to have love, joy, peace, generosity, and faith. Every Christ follower is to demonstrate those characteristics. Paul is talking then again about Jesus' body, the universal role, but a specific role. He goes into talking about the gifts that the Holy Spirit will give to his believers. And he says, in the local church, we need you to be a part of the body of Christ. And he he talks about how that the body has many parts and different functions within those parts. And then he says, within the body and in the church, we need everyone. We need everyone to come and be a part of the body of Christ, the local church, exercising their gifts So the question is, what is your spiritual gift? If you don't know what that is, we will be having some workshops coming up soon where you can discover your spiritual gift. He says, do a reality check with your bodies. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, have I presented my body? And am I reflecting Jesus in my body when it comes to my sexuality and to my health? He says, do a reality check in, in this area, in our love. Verses 9 through 21. Now, Romans 12, 9 through 11 says this. He, he goes, Love must be sincere. That's your motivation. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. That's your perspective. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. That's your mission. Honor one another above yourselves. That's humility and never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the lord that's what drives you when we talk about love we have to ask this question am i sincere in my love or do i use my love as a motivator or a manipulator for other people is my love genuine you see genuine secure and and since it's sin sincere love comes only from a heart surrendered from God and surrendered to God. Am I devoted in my love? Am I honoring in my love? This is really love in action. And Grace Church has, has had a long history of demonstrating this on a continual basis by the way we care for the community and we reach out and how we support families and how we invite people who uh, are investigating faith to be a part of our faith family here and in and, and, and many different areas around the world. And, and we just recently are in the process of being involved in a care drop to the country of Congo. Paul doesn't stop with our motives of, motives of love. He gets into some very specific details. I'm going to ask Felix uh, Garabacunzi to come and, and just share uh, perspective from verse 12.
1: Felix? Good morning, Grace Church. Uh, thank you very much for Pastor Marie and Grace Church for giving me this chance to share with you about the perspective about uh, verse 12 in Romans chapter 12. As Pastor Madi has been sharing about uh, verse 10 and 9, which says that we should have sincere love. What we believe and what the Bible says, as Jesus Christ loved us and sacrificed himself, accepted to die even the death on the cross for us. Our response towards the love he shared and he shown for us is also loving. But not only that, uh, when we go to verse 12, it gives us the way we should also respond to that kind of love that Jesus showed after he died for us. There's what we also have to show him that we really, Accept we really acknowledge that He loved us. When we read in the verse 12, it says that rejoice in hope. There, verse 12 mentioned three words: Rejoice in hope, be joyful, uh, patient in affliction, faithful in prayers. These are, uh, this describes the Christian life. After receiving and accepting Jesus Christ, we also need to have hope in our Christian life. If you remember when Jesus was ascending to heaven and his disciples were looking at him, there are two angels who appeared to them and told them that as you see him going, the same way he will come back. As we live in this world, we are not just living here enjoying that Jesus loved us, but we need to live the life that is reflecting a Christian life, people who have hope of second coming of Jesus Christ, which is the hope for the church. Not only that, he goes ahead and says, be patient in affliction. Be patient in this affliction, what the Bible says, as we live in this world, it doesn't matter that we are Christians, there are some people and their misconception or misunderstanding about having peace or being a Christian. Some people normally think that maybe being a Christian will not, we shall not face or have suffering or affliction in this world. But I want to remind you, according to the Bible, even Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples in John, in the Gospel according to John, he told them that I've told you these things so that you may have peace in me. He said, In the world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you may have, he said, You will have. Which means afflictions, suffering is part of our lives as a Christian. When it happens to our lives, it should not be like something surprising or strange thing because it's part of our lives. And suffering or affliction. Whatever term we may use, it's not our master, does not master our lives, but it is our servant. It serves God's purposes to our Christian life. When we go back and remember what we learned in uh, Romans chapter 5, Paul says that we rejoice since we have peace with God. After we are being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And he goes on on verse 3, and he said, we also rejoice in our suffering because suffering brings perseverance. Perseverance brings character, and character makes a hope, a hope which will not disappoint us. Then he ended by saying that in order to have hope, living the life full of hope, uh, endure the suffering that we are going through, there's one key thing that he said which he mentioned in this verse. He said we should pray constantly. As we've been saying, living a Christian life does not depend on our own power. After believing Christ, we need to depend on Jesus Christ. As we remember in our relationship in this world, we always work on the relationship. The way we keep on and building stronger relationship with our friends, families, and people, even those whom we are in relation, the same way we need to build our relationship with Christ by keeping on praying. The prayer is the way that activates the power that Jesus gives us, which is the Holy Spirit, in our daily life. And the same power is the power that enables us to live the gospel. Whatever we believe the Bible says we should live, our Christian life, there's no way we can live the gospel unless we are enabled by the power of Holy Spirit, which, is being, which can be activated into our lives by prayer and keeping in touch with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. May God bless you. Thank you, Felix. Uh, that was a good word
0: and a good reminder of how we can begin applying the whole principle of love. Paul continues through the end of Romans 12, talking about sharing with those who are in need, practicing hospitality, blessing people and rejoicing with them when they're rejoicing and mourning with them when they're mourning, and that we are to go on living as ambassadors, as the representatives of Jesus. Here's the problem and how we can get things backwards. We read Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, and then we go out and we try to do all these things. We try to love people, we try to do this, we try to do that, offer hospitality, we try to be joyful, and we're doing it all in our own power, all in our own initiative, because simply we have not first offered our bodies to Jesus as that living sacrifice. And when we do that, when we go out and just try to do all these things without the power of God's Spirit in us and without us giving our lives, our bodies to Jesus, we become like the little boy who thought he saw the circus, but really only saw the parade. We think we are experiencing a transformed life when in reality we're only trying to do the right things without the transforming power of God working in us. And that is the power of when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this holy moment right now, I just ask that you and your spirit would just work in our hearts Will you speak to us? Will you draw us to yourself? Will you give us the desire to offer our whole self to you, our bodies, our mind, our emotions to you? Father, I pray that as as we offer our bodies, we would then see the transforming power at work in us as we love one another as we serve one another as we offer hospitality as we come alongside of people who are desperately searching for hope in a hopeless world father i pray that your spirit would work i pray that you would move that you would help us even in the midst of these circumstances to know how we can love to know how we can encourage to know how we can reach out to be your hands, your feet, and your heart during this time. Father, we love you. And we thank you that you are with us. And where you are, there is peace. And Jesus, when you showed up nearly 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem riding on that donkey, you rode in with hope. Father, we... Uh, just thank you for this time that we've been able to share. I pray that your blessing would rest on Grace Church, on the people, and that you would bless us and that you would guide us, that you would calm fears and you would bring joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed it or not. If you're on Facebook, it's it's like it's running rampant. Uh, And just for your information, Easter will not be canceled this year. 2,000 years ago, all the forces of hell tried and it failed. COVID-19 will not cancel Easter this year either. Next week, join us for our Easter celebration. This is a great opportunity for those who don't normally go to church to check out church without all the reasons to stay away or to stay home. They don't need to worry about being singled out or embarrassed. They don't have to worry about not fitting in. They don't have to get dressed up. In fact, they don't even have to get dressed at all. I'm sure all of us have people in mind who need to know God loves them and wants them. And in the chat section and on our website, there will be an e-invite button for you to use. It's easy to invite. So I hope you'll join us next Sunday, Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the risen Christ.
2: You're not flesh and bone. You are not weak or slow Everything brave and bold You're fighting for us You are not distant and cold Your heart's not angry or close Even in ways we don't know you're fighting for us. You own our back when it comes to your children. You fiercely defend us. Do we stand deliver? You're fighting for us. Always fighting for us. You never close. fighting for you don't back down facing armies of thousands you speak forward word and they scatter How great the love, the furious love of the world, true Father. How great the love, the conquering love of the world, true God. How great the love. defend us, to we stand delivered. You're fighting for us. Always fighting for us. Oh, for us. oh you don't know that facing armies of thousands, you speak forward word and they scatter. Don't back down facing armies of thousands. You speak word and they scatter around us. You're fighting for us, War is fighting for.